Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say yes. Yes. I hope you're saying yes. You're like, I don't know, bro. What's up with this guy? I got way too much energy in the morning. Obviously, coming over here, it's funny. This, this morning, some of you guys, uh, you constantly say to me, dude, I wish I had half the amount of energy as you. And it hit me. I need to speak a message series on this sometime about how to have more energy. All right. So one of these days we'll get to that. But right now, we're excited about this brand new series entitled Louder Than Before. And today we're going to focus on, on loving louder than before. But I just got to say, these guys did a phenomenal job on the stage tonight. Can we give them a hand for putting time and effort into this? This is awesome. Very, very good job. And uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All right. They did a good job. And I, I think that's cool that we can, we can be relevant and, and share Jesus Christ in a very modern way like that. That'll lead people to Christ, and you'll be amazed. Some of you are saying, what's this dude got his phone out for? Well, there's a couple housekeeping things that we got to take care of before we get started. First thing that I'd like you to do is pull your smartphone out. Pull your smartphone out. Uh, we've got two things that we need you to do with your phone, and it would be great if you would do it with us. First thing I want you to do is just check in. Check in. You are at Revolution Church right now, so if you've got a smartphone, go on Facebook, make this happen for us. I'm going to go ahead and do mine right now because it just makes sense that I do it with you. Uh, Praising the Lord. Y'all are like, he's weird. I love you too. Here we do it. How do I do this? That's wrong. Hashtag praising the Lord. Hashtag awesome. Hashtag Jesus is awesome. Hashtag music was good. Hashtag revolution. A lot of hashtags. Hashtag, hashtag. All right, there we go. Hashtag, H-A-S-H-T-A-G. Hashtag. All right, good. Some of y'all are like, what just happened? Um, <laughs> second thing that we got going on here, if you got your phone, is I'd like you to uh, go ahead and say that you're going for next week's Sunday Life Change Worship Experience. And the reason I need you to do this, this is important. Some of you guys, you come every week and you never put your going on here. This is why this is important. We're going to actually promote that page and promote people to coming to the church and it does, we don't want that to look like there's like seven people going to our church, all right? Because they're like, I ain't going. There's only seven of them there, all right? So that just weirds people out, especially if we're going to promote it. I would love to see 40, 50 people on Facebook click that they're going on there. So Amy's going to send that out this week. I think she already sent it out for next week's service. There's already a picture. All right, she's already got it. Is there another picture? Is that, is that the one? All right, good. Go on Facebook. Click that you're coming to the Sunday, November 10th, Life Change Experience, and we'll make that happen. Today... As we get, yeah, we're, we're, we like to have a good time here. If you're guests with us, we just like to have fun, all right? We like to have fun. We like to open up God's word here at Tot and do something amazing with it, okay? We, we're a good, lively bunch. We're relaxed. It's casual, but it's good, all right? This is family. If you came here today and you're wondering, what is this church all about? Who are you? What are you trying to do? Well, we're trying to live out the command of Jesus Christ as found written in this word right here. Okay, this is what we're all about. You say, what is your statement of faith? We don't want to know what you believe. We believe everything in this book. Every single page of it, from the very beginning to the very end of it, this is what it is, all right? This is what we stand for. This is not only what we believe, but we actually want, want to do something with what we hear. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. And so today, we're going to do something as we enter this uh, Speaking Louder Than Before series that we've never done. But there's one main point. Usually, you know, you might have a pastor that gives you a three-point message. There's three main points there on that message. And then the next week, there's three main points. Um, then sometimes you have like the one main point that we want everybody to know. Here's just like the main point today, the main point. For this, we have one main point for the whole four weeks, all right? So let's go ahead and throw that up there, the next little slide there. I think we got it. Um, it should say on there that we are loving louder, giving louder, being louder, 
And you're like, whatever be louder. No, whatever it takes, all right? So we wanna love louder than before, give louder than before, be louder than before, and we want you to be willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So we have a vision over the next four weeks for this series, Louder Than Before, of how we're going to accomplish that. But, but this, this whole message idea of what we had go on as we brainstormed this and said, what do we want to do for our church? God spoke to me in a very, very real way. And he told me, he said, Randy, there's too many times that, that people come into church, because I try to play the part of just the, the average guest. Even though I've been saved for over 20 years of my life, I try to put myself back into the guest's shoes. You're a brand new guest with us today. What are you thinking? Well, a lot of people, when they visit a church, there's a lot of talk about, hey, in order to do this, obey scripture, you need to change this, and you need to obey this law, and you need to be different, and I want to take something from you, and I need you to change something about yourself. And so as I sat in those shoes, I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like, if this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and this word that's in this Bible gives life to people, it sure sounds like I have to change a lot in order to, to, to receive that. Sure, it seems like that I have to be different even than maybe who I am in order to receive the message of the gospel. And so often I think that, that preachers and teachers and leaders, they get up and they speak a message about how we're to do all these things. And then we expect you guys to go out there and be the church to the rest of the world and change all that and make all those adjustments and make it happen and you have to be different somehow, right? But something hit me this week as God was speaking to me about those thoughts. He, he was almost telling me, Randy, you need to model that. You need to be the church for the church. Like instead of coming up and presenting the message and then expecting all the people to go do something with it, I want you to do something with it. And I want you to do it back to the people that you're talking to. So I want to give you a lesson today, but it's not for you, it's for me. And then I want to apply that message to myself back to you. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd go to the, the book of Luke, you're like, what the heck is he talking about? You haven't maybe seen this before or done this before. This is different. Um, we're going to just kind of go into Luke chapter 10. And we're going we're gonna to let God's word speak to us today. Because I hope you came here like I did, wanting to be different than the way I came in the sense of God showing up. I want to encounter God today. Y'all want to encounter God today? Yes or no? I want to encounter God. I want to I feel the presence of God. I want to know that God spoke to me. And then I want to know that, that something's different about me. Because I, you, you can't be the same when you have an encounter with Jesus. Like you can't meet that dude and, and just stay the same. It's just impossible. There's too much good in him. He wants to give too much life. So Luke chapter 10 today, there's a, there's a passage of scripture here found. We're going to start in verse 25. This is a parable. This is a story that Jesus gave to answer a question. So let's get into it here. It says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, him meaning Jesus, okay? Certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now that's a good question to be asking, all right? Like you don't have to be a lawyer to know like, hey, I probably should figure out how to have eternal life because obviously you're teaching this stuff about how there's gonna be this afterlife and, and you know, if there is a heaven and there is an afterlife, I wanna know how to be there and live eternally forever. So, so this lawyer is asking a pretty smart question. But Jesus, he, his response is always the one in red here. He said to him in verse 26, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So in other words, he says, you're a lawyer, you're, you're, you're a smart guy. You read the passage and you read the law. What do you interpret it to mean? How, how do you interpret that you're going to have eternal life? So here's what the lawyer says in verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all of your mind. And your what? Oh, well, I'm sorry, I did not hear that at all. And your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him in verse 28, you have answered rightly do this 
and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So in other words, hold on just a second. Let's kind of, before we get too far off, in verse 28, he said to him, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our purpose at Revolution Church is to give life to people. That's why we are starting this church. We want to give life to you. We want you to experience something different than you've ever experienced before. When you come into our presence as a family, as a family, we want to love you louder than before. As a church, we want to love you louder than before. As, as individuals, we want life to be exiting through us rather than life being sucked away from us. Okay, that's, that's what we exist for. So we exist to revolutionize the world with the life-giving love of Jesus, all right? That's what it's all about. Jesus says, love me, put me first in your life, and I will give you life. So verse 29 says, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to the city of Jericho, and he fell among what? Thieves. Are y'all, y'all with me? Fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now stop right here. Everybody look up at me for a second. There's something very, very interesting about this story. This is a rep- representation of what happens to us today. Jesus is giving this man an answer to his question, but he's also teaching us very, very simply something that is profound, something that we need to know. And it's a representation of what happens to us because we're in a spiritual battle. This man, he, he was walking from one city to another and some thieves came and, and robbed him and left him for dead. Those thieves obviously did not care about this man. They obviously were there to rob him of anything that they could rob him of. And it's the same as us today because the reality is, although you may not have physically been robbed, you can be very spiritually robbed just like that. Because there's an enemy that's out to get you. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 8, verse 44, it says that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. That scripture right there tells us that Satan wants to murder your joy. He wants to murder your happiness. He wants to murder your peace. And you know what he really wants to do? He wants to leave you half dead. He wants to rob you of anything good in your life. Sounds very much like this man who's walking down to Jericho. He just gets robbed by some thieves. This is the parallel here. This is what Jesus wants us to know, that as we're walking along the road of life, As we're walking down this way, there is an enemy out to get us. John 10, 10, I say it all the time. Y'all have this uh, verse memorized before too long. It says, the thief does not come except to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Remember, Satan's job in this world is to murder your joy, murder your peace, and steal anything he can from you. He hates your guts. You are his enemy. He wants to leave you dead on the side of the road somewhere. That's his ultimate goal. That's his ultimate goal. So you see the parallel in the story. Look at verse 31 um, of Luke chapter 10 here. It says this. Now by chance, so this guy just gets lucky. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he did what? He passed by on the other side. Now, I think this is crazy because the first person that he comes encounter with here, by chance, is a pastor, (laughs) out of all people to come down the road. Thank God for this little pastor. You know, we just praise this little pastor because as this man is laying on the side of the road, we just think to ourselves, thank the Lord. Out of all people in the whole world, the pastor shows up. 
But unfortunately, in this scripture, he just passed by on the other side. What in the world is wrong with this picture? There's something wrong here. There's something wrong in the story because you see, you've got, you've got the guy who's in a dire need. He's been robbed, left for dead. No life left in him. I mean, he's just barely hanging on, right? Barely straggling by. The pastor, the man who should be his friend, isn't there. How sad of a story this is as we tell this. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible, but it also teaches us something very important. Your pastor cannot give you eternal life. Do y'all hear me on that? Your pastor cannot give you eternal life. No pastor in the world can give you eternal life. The only man with the authority to give you eternal life is Jesus Christ, him alone, him crucified. When he died on that cross and paid for the sins of the whole world and shed his blood, that was his gift back to the human race saying, I know that you've been robbed. I know that you want eternal life. I know that you're laying on the side of the road and there is no joy, there's no peace and no contentment, but I have made a bridge. I have made a way for you to have eternal life with me. But it's not found through the priest. Y'all see the parallel here? See the problem though? The pastor, he wasn't even living the stuff. And he's like, man, that's, that's a horrible. Um, I, got, I got something here. Look at this, verse 32. Verse 3. Likewise, here comes another guy, a Levite. When he arrived at the place, came and looked, and he did what? He passed by on the other side. Now hold on here. I got to talk to you a little bit about the Levite because it doesn't make sense in the story unless you study the whole idea of what a Levite is, okay? Because you got the priest. We all understand the concept of pastor and priest. But the Levite, if you look back in the Old Testament and you saw what God commanded that the Levites do, in the book of Leviticus, remember they had the Levitical law and they had certain things that they had to follow. And the Levites were actually given the responsibility of helping out the priest, do y'all hear me on that? They, they were to help the priest do the work of God. So they weren't priests themselves, but they were people who were obviously involved in the church. They were people who obviously were there to help do something productive for, for the work of God. But yet the Levite walks on by. What a sad story this is. Because you go, okay, like surely good church folk, all right? Surely these, these, these people who say they believe the word of God and the, the law is what they called it back in the day. Um, the law, surely they, those people who, who maybe show up to the church every week, maybe even give of their time, they give of their talents and they give of their treasure to do the work of God. Surely the Levite people, as this Levite man walks by, would step out and do something. But unfortunately in the story we see he just passed on by. Now, I want you to see the parallel here. This is much like all of you. See, I get to be the priest that walked on by, and you get to be the Levite that walked on by. Because you guys have been placed in this position here to help start a brand new life-giving church. You're to help the, the pastor, the priest, do the work of the ministry, to help in the church. You're, you're to, to get engaged and get involved, to use your time, talent, and treasure, to learn more about the kingdom, to be invested in, but so many times I think we get busy with the idea and the mindset of the task that we miss the whole point. We're so busy doing all the work of the ministry that we forget the guy that's laying on the side of the road that needs help, that needs some love shown to him. All life is being sucked away from him and he needs something. And we miss it. 
what is the point of this, this little Levite here? I think the point of this Levite, when I read this story, is that we shouldn't put our faith in religion either. Shouldn't put our faith in religion because whether you're Baptist, non-denominational, Catholic, uh, Levite, you know, whatever you want to call it, I don't know what we call it nowadays, it doesn't matter your denomination. If you miss the point of showing love to your brother, you're missing a big point. It's a huge, huge problem. And that should tell us right there that religion doesn't save. Again, the only person, the only bridge to heaven is through Jesus Christ and him alone, him crucified. To kind of put this into modern day perspective of how this may play out church to church, um, I knew a lady once that, uh, and I'm not gonna say any names or anything like that, but she came to church one Sunday and noticed that a guest was sitting in her seat, okay? Um, that, that guest had come in, it was a young couple uh, in their 30s, and they came in and, and this lady said, hey, you're sitting in my seat. And like, I guess the guest was supposed to know since it was their first time there that that was her seat. Um, not quite sure how that all like was supposed to play out, but in her mind, it made sense that this person who I don't know, I've never seen before is in my seat and they need to move, <laughs> all right? Uh, and by the way, it was a bunch of pews so it didn't make any sense. Like there was no reserve signs anywhere or anything, but I guess this lady, the guest was just supposed to know, not sure how that played out, but, but they were supposed to know. And I remember there was another church member that was telling me they were standing right there. And so they asked this, this lady, they said, do you know these people? Like, you know, are they just like relatives that like to argue or what? And, and just, she was like, no, I've never seen them before in my life. And as they told me that, that story about this lady, I thought, this lady has truly, truly, truly missed the point. Because she got up on Sunday morning, she got herself around, she drove miles and miles to get to the church, all that, also she could weed other people away from the kingdom of God and from the work of God so she could have her spot and hear the message taught. Already having received the message of knowing how to get eternal life, she missed the point of what going to church was all about. And I don't want you to miss the point today. I don't want me to miss the point today. Because when I come to church, I come for two reasons. Number one, I come to bring honor and glory to God, to worship him. When we sing those songs, we're not singing because we love karaoke night and we just want to hear Aaron just blaze that guitar, all right? Although he's good, that's not the reason I come to church. We do the music so that we can sing back praises to God because he's deserving of our praise. When we pass the bucket, it's not so we can take from you. It's so that we can honor our, our finances back to God and put him first in our finances. That's all it is. It's just real simple. God, I want you to be first, so I'm gonna give you first fruits of my, my labor. That's it. The second reason I come to church is so that other people can clearly hear the message of the gospel preached and taught. So my responsibility is two things. My responsibility as a good Levite, okay, a good Levite, not a bad Levite, would be to come to church and bring honor and glory to God. And secondly, to pave the way to make it easy for others to do the same. Do y'all catch that? Because that's huge and that's missing in church all over across the nation. It's missing because too many people are coming to hear more knowledge and more information, more information, and they're not very concerned about the transformation, that may be a revelation for some of us, all right? I don't know. I don't know. But the reality is we're missing it. See, what that lady really should have done is she should have introduced herself and said, this is, this is my name, and I'm glad that you're at our church today, and I'm glad that you're able to sit right here by me. <laughs> she totally missed the point, though. She was guarding her seat. Why would we guard a seat so people can't hear the message of Jesus Christ preached? 
You know, when I was so sad when I heard that story. I actually became good friends with the couple that got yelled at. It was awesome. Um, came good friends with them. I don't know why they stayed at our church. It made no sense. I should have just told them, like, hey, I'm so sorry. I, I, I can understand if you go somewhere else because it didn't make any sense. But praise the Lord, they stayed. I hope we're not going to be the Levite. There's a third person in the story. That was a modern day way that we kind of do that. And I hope we're going to be like different usher people into the kingdom rather than like keep them away from it. But this, this last part is probably the most crucial part of the story. It's found in verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had... All right, I didn't hear that. But when a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, when he saw him, he had... Compassion. Compassion. Thank you. Like you, Bo. So he went to him. And with that compassion, he did what? He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. We're going to really dig into the significance of this stuff here in a second. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come Again, I will repay you. Ooh, there's some stuff here. This last person in this story is very interesting. This person that saw the man from Jerusalem laying on the side of the road, half beaten, was a Samaritan man. A Samaritan man. What is interesting about this story is the lawyer who's asking this question, how do I love my brother? He's a Jew. Let me explain something about the Jews and the Samaritans, okay? Jewish people thought that Samaritan people were the most detested and disgusting people ever. They didn't want to talk to them. They didn't want to be in the same room as them. They didn't want to breathe the same air that they breathed. They were polar opposites in the Jews' mind. The Jews' minds, actually, they were enemies. Why would we associate with them over there? And Jesus proceeds to answer this man's, this Jew's question about how do you love your neighbor? How do you lo- who is your neighbor? By telling him about a Samaritan. I think Jesus just has a, a great sense of humor when he tells stories and he begins to speak of things. He, he speaks to things that are really the heart of the issue, not really the surfacey level. It's really the heart level. And, and what he does in this story is he crosses some borders here. And I want to talk about it. It says the Bible says he went to him and bandaged his wounds. In other words, he nurtured and cared for this man, pouring on oil and wine. In other words, this, this man, the Samaritan, he invested in the man because oil and wine cost a lot of money in this time period. Cost this guy something to, to have compassion on this person who needed him. And then, and then he, he sits him on a place that doesn't even belong to him. He sits him on his own animal. He says, you, you, can, you can sit in my seat and I'll, I'll lead you away. He brought him to an inn, which was a place he didn't even know. It, it, it wasn't even his place. It, he didn't own it. But he ushered him in there. He paid for the, the stay. And he said, when I come again, if it, cost, if it costs more to take care of this man, I'll pay you for it later. Here's some money up front. There's two pieces of the story that are very, very important for us to get. Number one, the Samaritan is Jesus. Samaritan's also a picture of what we're to be. Two things. Samaritan in this story is Jesus. 
Jesus come along the way and saw the man who was laying on the side of the road, beaten, no life, everything robbed from him. Who's the thief? Who's to steal, kill, and destroy? The devil, Satan. Jesus came that they may have life and then they may have it more abundantly. And with compassion, he showed for us and modeled for us an example of how we're to live our life. He crossed mega borders here in reaching out to somebody that, that the Jew would never reach out to. That's crossing borders. That's doing something you're not supposed to do. And as this Jew hears this, his ears are just burning. Are you kidding me, Jesus? You want me to do that with those people? Are you serious? You know, there's so many different people in this story that you could be. I don't know which one you are. You, there's so many different ones. I mean, you, you just have to figure out who you are and hopefully who you want to be. But the Samaritan is Jesus. It says on the next day, he took out that two denarii. He invested in this man. And he said, when I come again, I'll repay. Meaning he's told us that we're to do likewise. Let's, let's kind of continue on in our reading there. Um, let's see here. On the, it's in, found in verse 36. So which of these three, there was three men, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He's asking the lawyer this question. And he said, he who, now he doesn't say the Samaritan man. He won't say the guy's name out loud. He still doesn't want to really admit it was the Samaritan man. So here's how he answers it. The lawyers are cunning, aren't they, right? He who showed mercy on him. That's the answer. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So first he models it. He says, I'm the Samaritan man. This is what I did. I gave life. When religion couldn't solve the problem, when the pastor couldn't solve the problem, when the people of the church weren't solving the problem, they, they really couldn't solve the problem because it wasn't in their power to solve the problem. Eternal life only comes through me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through God. That's it. That's what he said. And so he then said, go and do likewise though. And when I come again, I'll give you whatever you're lacking. I think for a lot of Christians, we miss the idea that Jesus doesn't have limited resources. Y'all hear me on that? Because I just gave you some gold if you heard what I just said. God is not limited by any resources. He owns it all. So when he tells us to go do likewise, to go give of our time, to go give of our talent and go give of our treasure to those who are laying on the side of the road in need. When he says, go do likewise to them, he's not lacking in the ability to reward us. He's not lacking in the ability to give us what we need. He will supply all our needs according to his uh, glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. We're never of any lack. We'll never have not what we need. We'll always have what we need. But we have to look through the lenses of compassion. We have to love louder than before. Give louder than before. Be louder than before. And we have to make the decision really to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So if there are adjustments we need to make, we need to make those adjustments. The lawyer is asking these questions, but what's funny is the lawyer was very well versed in the scriptures. Some of you are saying, Randy, I've heard this lesson before. <laughs> I've already heard this one preached. You know, I, I opened up to Luke 10 and I saw it was the parable of Samaritan. I thought, oh, okay, yeah. You may be the lawyer, I don't know. Because the lawyer, he was very well versed in the law. He gave the right answer. He said the only way to love God is to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He knew the answers. But in the end of the story, as Jesus tells him, go and do likewise, I have to question, what does this guy really, what is he really going to do? 
Because he already can't admit it's the Samaritan. He doesn't really want to say it's them. He can't, doesn't want to cross those borders. Jesus says, go and do likewise. When we read a story like this, this is open forum. I want you to answer, all right? Open forum, I want you to answer. When we read a story like this, what do you think a good takeaway is? And there are probably several takeaways. So, so somebody, give me, raise your hand, tell me. When you hear a story like this taught, what do you think a good takeaway is? Compassion requires sacrifice. Mm, that's a good one. Compassion requires sacrifice. Very good. 